0: 70% of you that listen to Wholeness with Hannah don't actually subscribe. Following us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcast helps more than you know. The bigger the following, the more the podcast can evolve. So if you hit follow, it would mean so much to me. Thanks! Hi everyone and welcome to Wholeness with Hannah, a podcast to remind you that your personal whole is the only goal. Feeling whole and aligned can mean totally different things to different people. Give yourself permission to love what you love, feel what you feel, and believe that you deserve everything that you want just because you want it. Me and my guests discuss all things mental, physical, spiritual, and financial health alongside tools, practices, and concepts that could help to enhance the everyday experience of life. I can't promise that we won't go a little off topic at times because I warn you now, I'm a bit of a talker, but I hope this podcast leaves you a little more equipped than it found you. Nobody else is you, and that is your power. Now let's get into this week's episode. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Wholeness with Hannah. This week I'm joined by a very special guest, Kagi Dunlop. Kaggy is a multi-talented creative artist, writer, musician, and entrepreneur who is best known as the founder of the Saturn Returns podcast. Kaggy is based in London and is continuing to make a name for herself as a leading voice in the personal growth and self-improvement space. She is a free spirit and uses poetry, music, and deep conversations to seek truth, connection, and new ideas. She has the podcast and also her first book, Saturn Returns, Your Cosmic Coming of Age, is out now, too. I recently went on Kagi's first ever Saturn Returns Retreat, which she hosted in Greece, and it was amazing. We'll talk a bit more about it, but I was drawn to Kagi's calm and kind nature, and we bonded over our spiritual awakenings, self-development eras, love of poetry, and the absurdity that comes over us when we enter Planet Organic or any other health food shop, and are just like, take my money. (laughs) So it's a pleasure to welcome her on the pod today. Hello, Kagi. Hello, no, thank you very much for that lovely introduction. No worries, thanks for joining us. So when this comes out, it's actually going to be January 2024. So new year, maybe new us, maybe we don't need a new us. But um, so long gone are your PTSD induced days of 21 year old Kagi on Made in Chelsea. So can you tell us a bit more about where you're at now and how you got there? Oh, Wow. Um
1: God, yeah, those those memories are still quite sort of (laughs) entrenched in my side. Have many. I think I was talking to you guys about this on the retreat of these dreams that I have. And yeah, 21-year-old Kaggie. I mean, I I think I often reflect over that period, perhaps through whatever the opposite of rose tinted glasses would be.
0: Because sludge, sludge tinted glasses. Because, you
1: know, it's a strange experience to have that part of your life forever immortalized in reality TV, in the archives of the Daily Mail. Um, It was a very strange experience to have, I guess, a coming of age in the public eye. And I think, you know, 21, as we relate it to obviously everything I'm doing now, you know, Saturn returns. 21 is also a really big shift in your life as you sort of initiate into, or you think you're an adult, you're not really. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it was a really interesting time for me to be sort of catapulted almost overnight into fame and into reality TV. And then realizing that that wasn't for me that wasn't what I wanted my destiny to be so to speak and then for a number of years I was sort of trying to figure out what I wanted that to look like and then whilst to many this might seem like a reinvention it was far more of a coming home with what I'm doing now I think I always had a very spiritual nature a very introspective sort of philosophical way of being but i just didn't at the time i didn't know how that would become a career how i would craft that into anything and so i sort of um discarded that part of myself and then you know embraced fame and i guess perhaps the partying and quite a lot of superficial things that came with that whole world but then when i hit my saturn return or just before that sort of facade that I built up or um, yeah, um spent many years trying to maintain sort of came crumbling down a little bit. And I guess that was sort of coincided, as it does with many, with a spiritual awakening and a reclaiming of all these parts of myself that I had hidden away. And then from there, I built what I have now, is, which is Saturn Return, which is really a a platform for young people particularly women who are navigating the sort of turbulence of adult life as we sort of initiate into this next period and trying to have these conversations that I felt I didn't there wasn't a space there wasn't the space when I was going through it that I needed I tried to create that and I always think with a bit of advice for anyone if you can create the thing that you need there's a high chance that other people are going to need that too and it's kind of like what yeah. you're now so yeah. um it's been an it's been a uh, it's not been a straightforward trajectory let's just it's say not that. been linear <laughs> not been linear it's never linear yeah. but also i'm kind of trying to remind myself like i'm very Content and happy with what I'm doing now, and it feels very in alignment. But I could never in a million years have planned it, you know. Yeah,
0: I love that though. You kind of just gone with where you were supposed to go when you realized actually, this isn't, as you said, this isn't who I am. I'm just being this person because I think that's what I have to be right now. And then you were like, no, this is me. And now you're obviously being your authentic self now.
1: Yes, but I think it's important to note that. It was met, there was a lot of resistance on my part. Right. Okay. I didn't sort of leave one environment and suddenly go, right, that wasn't, that was inauthentic. I know I'm supposed to be. It was then other ones that perhaps weren't so public facing where I was like, you know, was then in music and didn't feel quite like I belonged there. And then I started a brand and that didn't go exactly as planned. And there were all of these. Um yeah. Was did... music
0: when you went to LA? So music
1: is a really interesting one for me. That was something that I started really on the show. It coincided with that. Like the first time I ever performed was on Maiden Chelsea.
0: I remember that. I remember <laughs> that
1: episode. <laughs> Absolutely mad that I agreed <laughs> to perform. Well, also when I had the most awful um performance anxiety I still do but right. there was something for me about being in invited to do it
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, I'm not the kind of person that's like I'm gonna go and do this thing on my own accord I, I need the invitation which is, okay. is a whole other sort of story but um yeah so then my music career sort of started whilst I was doing TV but I found because I, my first performance was on the show I found myself in environments that I would. I, it was far too premature for me to be there. Okay. I was in studios working with all these really successful writers, and I was like, what What? what am I doing? Um, and then loved it, but knew I needed to kind of build the foundations of it first. And then I went to LA, and that's what I was doing there. And then I came back and was releasing music. And, I st- like, music still holds a really big place in my heart because... It was through that discipline and that practice that I was able to sort of cultivate the principles I like to associate with Saturn, which is kind of responsibility, boundaries, structure. Because that was when I was actually like, okay, I'm going to stop behaving like an idiot. I'm going to stop <laughs> artists. And I'm at, because I loved music and I loved um, being able to pour myself into something. And I, was so it was so satisfying creating something Mm. someone and like collaborating so um but then you know when I was doing it fully it didn't ever feel quite right and I don't know I don't know whether that was because I didn't fully believe in myself or because I was destined to do something else you know, I, I went recently um, to see my old mentor who works in the music industry. And I went back to the music studios where I spent a lot of time, where I went for many, many meetings and events. And when I left, and this was literally like a week ago, and when I left, I had this feeling of like, yeah, that never felt quite right. Mm-hmm. And I realized now, at the time it felt like I didn't belong because I wasn't good enough. Or because, yeah, because I needed to change or I wasn't talented enough. But I realize now it's like sometimes it's just it's just not the right environment for you. And I think for a lot of people, they might be trying to do something or in a certain career path. And they're like, I'm not good enough. And that's why it feels off. But it's, yeah. really, it's like you need to adjust certain things or there's aspects of it that really fit and aspects that don't. And uh, it was quite a nice feeling actually going back there and being like, I'm definitely doing what I'm supposed to be doing right now. But I think music will play a part in my life, but just in a different capacity.
0: Yeah, that's nice though. At least you've got that from going back there. Yeah. Yeah, which is lovely. Okay, so you've mentioned your Saturn return a couple of times already. So do you want to explain for anyone that doesn't know what is our Saturn return, what happens, and then what happened during yours? Your Saturn return is
1: something that happens in your late 20s, around 29, as Saturn returns to the same place in the sky it was when you were born. And within the realms of astrology, this is viewed as your cosmic coming of age, as you initiate into adulthood. And as it returns, it brings about a lot of life lessons that can be quite challenging. It sort of breaks things down so to build things up on more solid foundations. So often people during this transition will have big career shifts, unexpected breakups, friendship groups falling apart. It often all happens at the same time. It feels like you're slightly going through a whirlpool. But when you come out the other side, you can kind of recognize that it was all happening for you, not to you, although it feels yeah. like happening to you at the time. And it actually puts you in a place where you are being far more authentic, but it just, the process of it can feel quite raw and revealing because it's, it's kind of taking off all the masks that you've been putting on for your twenties. And then of course we have a, a second Saturn return as we approach 60, because it takes a full roughly 30 years, 29 years to do its full orbit and then we also have Saturn squares and opposition so as I mentioned a little bit earlier at 21 um, you have another visit from Saturn and if you reflect on these chapters 7, 14, 21 so on and so forth you can recognize these uh, mini-initiations when you kind of are thinking you're more responsible or thinking you're more adult than you actually are and having these kind of challenges so I find it quite a fascinating concept clearly considering I've based most of my work around it and Mm -hmm. it was particularly um, pivotal moment for me and clearly for a lot of people because the podcast has resonated with with so many and I think it's just an important thing that we need to discuss regardless of your belief in astrology I think that's just a lens that I like to view things through I think we can all recognize that turning 30 is is challenging to say the least
0: yeah I it definitely resonated with me I started listening to your podcast I think it was March 2020 and I was 29 and I then was like oh okay so I've just gone or going through my Saturn return because it was the end of 2019 when I was 29 still that I mine was more in the career space and it kind of chewed me up and spat me out and said you're not going to do this anymore this isn't aligned to you anymore and it's exactly what you were saying about how it, it all broke down and I had no choice but to kind of go with it and at the time it kind of felt like it was happening to me and then I would say just even just three months later I was like this happened for me. I'm so much happier. I can now focus on the next thing that's much more authentically me. And that's what's happened. So yeah, mine was, mine was quite hard as well. But what about people then that say, oh, I don't, I don't really feel like much happened to me during mine. Do you get people come and say that? Yeah, a lot. And
1: that's, you know, perfectly normal too. Because mm, Okay. What it ultimately seeks is your authenticity. So, if someone has been living, so I
0: was just being so unauthentic to myself at that yeah, point. And yeah. like yeah. same for me, you know. And that's yeah. not to say
1: that you're not like a good person or anything like that. It's just mm. when we grow up, we we put on all these masks or we seek external validation, mm-hmm. start chasing certain things because that's what our peers are doing or our, our parents want of us or what we think will make us happy. And then we stop. We go really far down that road and think, yeah. well, actually, maybe if I just keep going a little bit further, it will suddenly happen. And then, like Saturn comes in like a wrecking ball and is like, no, nah, that's not it for you. Yeah, and it's really hard because you can go so tunnel vision because so like, but this is what I've always told myself is it. This is what will make me feel good, and it's really hard to independently kind of reconcile that that's not we we need these adjustments from the universe but um for for a lot of people as well it is just a solidifying of what's been in motion for the last three decades so that could mean a promotion it can mean marriage it can mean children it's just like okay Okay. we're on the right track let's just give you that little um acknowledgement of that and yeah like i say solidifying so for it's not as turbulent as it as it was for me or for you For yeah everybody. um that makes so me. much sense yeah
0: yeah and mine was more it was the environment for me yeah that I, I now I'm out of that environment I could never go back and I, it was the environment that was like really affecting my body I wasn't getting much sleep because of my job and things like that and that's not that's definitely not what what was what's good for me personally it's fine for other people but I'm actually so glad it was like get out of there because I'm yeah I'm so much happier now but yeah I can you see how it must relate to so many people and obviously you've built a big community on it so going back to Saturn because I learned about this on your retreat much more in terms of astrology mm-hmm. and you know we we have obviously without going too far into astrology because neither of us are an astrologer but um I have Saturn in my eighth house of relationships I think it is so um on my reading she kind of explained our oh, Saturn is you know it's it's not it's not a light planet so it kind of made sense to me how my relationship life has gone and she said it's as you get older where it was or where it was placed my relationships were going to get a lot easier and I feel like that's happening <laughs> yeah 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 definitely I can now see but she's like you've had you've had Saturn was there to teach you lessons and you've you've probably learned them now. Oh, thank God!
1: <laughs> yeah, I can breathe a sigh of
0: relief that that's in the past. Yeah, yeah. But you're so you're quite big into astrology, aren't you? I am, but probably like
1: I th- I've I've got an appetite for the esoteric. I'd say so. I I like to dip my toe into anything that sort of excites me or that yeah. I find different or a bit abstract. And astrology falls into that category. I, I don't let it govern my life. You know, I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, well, this is happening. So it means this and we have no free will. I'm very much of the school of thought. It's a dance between those two things. I've just found it useful as a tool for personal development. And like I say, a, a sort of lens to see the world and myself. And I also find it useful for... um partnership as well for sort of compatibility and seeing particular things but it's just it it's such a vast um what's the word I'm looking for it, there's just so whenever I meet in astrology usually they have the same they say the same thing which is that for them they're remembering something they're not learning it and I do think that it's probably okay. to do with perhaps past life stuff or something I'm not sure but they, they gravitate towards it and then they can just consume it in a way that I personally can't. Um, but I would like to know it. I would like to be able to do readings for people just yeah. for you know, a sort of dinner party hobby more than anything else. Um, but yeah, like I said, I'm just always interested in different things.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I'm a bit like that and on human design I'm a manifesting generator which means I love doing multiple things at once and I can only do things if they excite me otherwise I'll throw them out really quickly and um I, I agree with you on the astrology thing I have got more into it this year and what it does for me is kind of I, I relate to a lot of it not all of it but Finding out about the fact that we have more than one sign and we you have your sun sign, your rising sign and your moon sign. That's been quite good. For, that's been cool for me because I didn't feel like I resonated as much with my sun sign, which is Virgo. And my knowing my rising sign and moon sign now has kind of made me think, oh, yeah, that is me. And just felt a bit more seen. And it, I kind of have used it as a tool to kind of be even more myself. That makes yeah. sense
1: and I mean I'm also like human design is something that I found tremendously helpful in understanding mainly the way that I operate and work and I'm a projector. what are you I'm a projector so what like are you? okay you know I have these spurts of energy I can't work like constantly I don't have endless supply of it I kind of just have these moments and then I'm like okay I need to rest yeah um, like reflect and I'm always like observing things so that was that was really helpful and then also in terms of like assembling the people around you it's it's really helpful yeah but on the astrology piece you know I'd I'd highly recommend everyone does a reading because like you say it's about being seen and for those who are feeling like a bit lost or perhaps they have been performing trying to be someone that no longer feels authentic it can be a really nice way of just stripping that down because this person is completely foreign to you i.e the astrologer they're not basing it off anything apart from your chart and that can be incredibly yeah it just makes me yeah that That is
0: that was quite mind blowing when I had it because I don't think there was anything that she said that was I was like, No, I don't know what you're talking about. Everything I was a bit like, oh my God, yeah, that's so true. And when especially when they pick about dates and they say, Oh, did this kind of happen at this time? And I was like, Yes. Yeah. And you know,
1: it's it's just very reassuring, I think. That there is a construct in the chaos that it's not completely random, that we are being Guided to some degree, and we don't have to understand it in its entirety. But I find astrology—you know—it's an ancient practice. This is not, whilst it gets considered a New Age sort of woo-woo, woo-woo thing, it's—it's it's yeah. Woo-woo. But um, yeah, I and sort uh, of all between like tarot, human design, astrology. I'm now like becoming very fascinated by Kundalini, which is a whole other thing. So I'm always just
0: the dust. Kundalini awakening.
1: <laughs> yeah this is, this is the thing for next year that I'm gonna start nice
0: exploring. okay love it so what other spiritual tools do you use I know that you like you said you liked um is it astro cartography made a lot of sense for you yeah yeah,
1: yeah again that's something so astro cartography is a um it's using the same principles of astrology it's it's just applying it to the world, so you have different planetary alignments that go through certain parts of the world, and you can use it to know where you might be creatively inspired, where you may find love, where you may uh, confront sort of childhood wounds, where you may feel completely at home. And I think we've all experienced it where we travel somewhere that we've never been before and feel this real sense of, of peace and belonging. And often that can relate to astrocartography, And that was my experience because I had this deep connection to Australia, which is as far away from my home as yeah. one possibly be. And yet from the age of 10, I was absolutely obsessed by it and wrote like in my journal when I went traveling there with my family at 10, like it's just in capital letters. Like I love Australia, yeah. I I'm gonna live here. And then I kept going back when I was, you know, from 18 up until 25, I was lucky enough to go a few times and then I was just like, I'm just gonna live here for a bit. And then I was explaining to someone on the podcast, we were talking about human design about my connection with it. And she was like, I, I wonder what your astrocartography says. And then anyway, I have an MC line that goes right through Sydney. I have multiple lines, but she was like, well, there you go. So it very much affirmed something I already knew. Um, but for anyone that's curious of like exploring it it's 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 quite a nice thing to use if you're wanting to travel somewhere you know
0: Yeah. yeah we love traveling that yeah that's interesting and again it can reaffirm what you kind of thought you already knew which is just quite a nice concept isn't it okay moving on a little bit was I know that you are sober these days right
1: I go by the term sober curious curious okay Cool. Yes, I can yeah. elaborate on that if you like.
0: Yeah, so just tell us a bit about that because it's also something I, I would say I'm becoming a lot more sober curious. I used to drink loads in my twenties, um, but alcohol's never really agreed with my body. Um, I've always been one of those people that froze up if they drink too much, and it just gets terrible hangovers. And actually, I don't drink much at all anymore. And I, uh, I just yeah, I just love it. Like, I would choose not to have a drink unless I would fancy maybe. I love champagne. That's the only drink I'm really fussed about these days. And that's not because I'm high maintenance, that's just because it's tasty. But um (laughs) some people
1: would disagree. Yeah, well. Totally there with you. My mum, I was at my brother's uh girlfriend's birthday party last night, and my mum was saying because they're about to have a baby, and my mum was saying that when she was pregnant with my brother, she drank Guinness every day because someone told her it was like good because of the iron. And anyway, she my brother was the biggest. (laughs) baby <laughs> and, really? yeah and then she said with me that she drank champagne and I was like well that explains that explains it I've got it running
0: <laughs> through my veins
1: <laughs> but um so yeah I can relate but yeah sober curious so for those not familiar with the term it was coined by Ruby Warrington who wrote a book called sober curious and created a podcast series called sober curious And when I was going through my Saturn return, it really started a few years before, to be honest. It was probably 26, 27 around my progressed lunar return where I was like, you know, that's something that happens before your Saturn return where you're kind of confronted with a lot of emotional stuff. And that's when I realized like, hang on, drinking and me were not working well together. I was a big drinker through my 20s. I used to use it as a method or a tool to sort of shape shift into whoever i needed to be i was always the last person at the party Oh, were you okay i was like the last woman standing because i i always wanted to be liked yeah and i still struggle with that but for me you know i grew up in going out in london from quite a young age and we just behaved quite recklessly to be honest and I think it was um, heightened by doing Made in Chelsea where everything felt very extreme and unanchored. And um, it just sped up whatever I was doing that became unsustainable. And also it felt very like much like I was drinking to escape. Um, yeah, and I found the, the idea of sort of neutrality of just sort of staying in like, an anchored neutral space unbearable I felt like I was always either like completely off or like recovering and it was just this cycle that was not very healthy yeah then I started to explore sobriety but every time I was like okay I'm not drinking anymore I felt like I set myself up for failure because it this was you know a fair few years ago now it wasn't as common as it is now it was very much normal drinking or AA I didn't resonate with AA but I couldn't really like normal drink and so it meant that I would isolate myself and then I'd go out and I'd go to a party and then I'd like feel anxious and drink and then go completely crazy um and then be in like a shame spiral for a few days yeah yeah it was just not very nice. But then when I discovered Sober Curious, which essentially allows you to explore sobriety and adopt it as a way of living, but not in its entirety. So you can pick and choose essentially your moments, which for most people is actually more challenging. But for me, it worked because it took off that pressure of like that all or nothing. And I then was challenging myself to like, go out to things and abstain from drinking and the way the the method that I used that was really helpful was the sort of like pain pleasure um dynamic of like okay well historically I would be uncomfortable in this situation so in order to like numb the pain of the anxiety I would drink and then um have short-term pleasure but long-term pain it's sort of like Mm -hmm. reverse engineering that so it's like okay I'm gonna actually just sit with this pain of feeling uncomfortable but then have the long-term pleasure the next day of being like oh wow I actually feel amazing can go and do all the things I want to do and so that kind of started um I guess 2018 and then okay
0: so quite a while now
1: yeah it's been a while but like you know again like very rarely i'd have i'd go into an environment and be like actually i, I want to drink here um like you know it's quite nice to enjoy a cham- like a glass of champagne yes
0: and- it is <laughs> a-
1: like an amazing wedding board or yes. something but um and then last the summer that we've just had i actually was enjoying Like having wine when I was abroad again like I was really enjoying the sort of ritual and the ceremony of it but then I don't know since I've been back and it's winter night I just have no interest because for me fortunately or unfortunately I get these dreams around drinking which are so extreme that as in when you drink no well it happens when I drink um so it's almost like because I spoke to someone else that's sober and she has the same thing it's quite common actually but it's like your subconscious almost being like no 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 no, no. we do not agree with this let's not do it so if I had like even one drink there's a strong chance that I will have this recurring dream but I often I have it when I'm not drinking as well it's that I go out I suddenly wake up somewhere and I don't really remember what's happened. I'm sort of trying to piece the night together. And it makes me feel so anxious. The next day when I wake up, i I feel I'm like, oh my God, was that real? And interesting, it's, okay, yeah, and honestly, it just makes me like not want to drink. yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, I bet no, yeah, I'm not. It's just this constant um reminder. So in a way, it's quite clever. And also, I feel, I do feel that sort of spiritually something happens um, when I drink, it's, it's sort of, um, it closes off certain channels and opens up other ones. And I do think you are more receptive to sort of darker energies when you're drinking. There's a reason yeah. they call it spirits.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah so i mean if you think about it when people get really really drunk and i include myself in this bracket that it's like something else takes over
0: yeah yeah
1: it's over and um so yeah it's been a big pillar for me and saturn returns and i know a lot of the community have been navigating that space because i get that it's challenging because in especially in the uk for every occasion with given a glass of wine whether it's in celebration or sorrow Mm. you know it's like have a drink um but that practicing abstaining and being able to be sober in every environment possible now has been the greatest act of self-love
0: yeah definitely
1: and also it now very much is like a a conscious choice that Mm I am making from a place of like it's always worth asking yourself what what place am I drinking from, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: And for a lot of people, it's incredibly normalised to be like, I feel really uncomfortable. I'm going to drink to feel better. Supposedly, totally. not- that's
0: a, that's our culture here, isn't it? And it was a, it's a big binge drinking culture.
1: Yeah, and it actually here's the thing about not drinking. You feel so much more confident. Yeah. Paradoxically, you because you just like you create this. Toxic cycle for yourself where you're like, Oh, I don't feel very good about myself. I'm gonna drink to disguise it. And then you feel a bit better, but then you like might take it a bit far, and then the next day you have paranoia over what you did, yeah. and then you feel like shit, and then you're like, oh, I've got to go out again, so I'm gonna drink again. <laughs> it, like just creates a yeah. self-fulfilling prophecy. Whereas when you don't drink, you're no longer trying to mold yourself to fit in. You're just like, Well, this is me. Um not everyone's gonna like it I'm gonna go home yeah
0: have you yeah I'm so good at. my friends are always like you are the best at going home whenever you want to go home I've always been like that but as I said before I don't I used to either drink to get drunk or I don't like wine or I'm not like a I don't really drink with dinner. So because if I liked wine, I'm sure I would more. I can drink rose yeah. in the summer, but I don't really, I'm not really into wine. So that kind of cut out the whole, oh, let's just have a glass of wine because it's not as easy. Let's just have a glass of champagne. But um, yeah, I felt... Found- well it depends who you're with and where you are but pubs don't really have champagne so I don't really like it's not the right setting
1: for it no
0: absolutely not but um so I would say I would kind of describe that I would say I'm definitely sober curious I choose not to drink most of the time but did you did you feel or do you still feel sometimes oh no maybe you don't feel this anymore because you as what you just said but that you did people be like oh why are you not drinking oh you're boring or did you just kind of was that hard to start with Obviously, I feel like I'm a bit older now and my friends all all relate to it a lot more. But I guess in your 20s, especially maybe end of your 20s when it started, was that quite hard or did you not really feel that? 2018,
1: 2019 was quite hard because it was sort of adjusting the framework of all of my friendships that yeah. knew as a certain person that went out. Got yeah, far.
0: like that like, as in like was part of your identity. Hugely, hmm. and also part of their
1: identity. And you sort of the funny thing about drinking also, this is sort of like unsaid contract where it's like, well, don't call me out on my shit and I won't call you out on yours. But when one person actually stops, it's very confronting for the other person. So, yeah, a lot of friendships will disintegrate um, that are based on that. And then mm-hmm. you do find yourself in a bit of a a void where you're like okay I'm not no longer part of that crew but I don't really know where I do belong or who who these this new community of people are and that was that was tough that was definitely tough but I always try and remind people that it's a it's a self-inflicted exile but a necessary one because you have to trust the in-between to know that you have to leave one thing to find the thing that's meant for you and you can apply that to your partnership, your career, whatever it might be. And for me, friendship was a big one that was very that very much coincided with with drinking. Um but I initially sort of was trying to find the language to use when I'd go to dinner parties, when I was feeling a bit awkward about it and people would be like, yeah. are you not drinking? And um You know, at the beginning, I would feel like I had to tell people my life story of why I wasn't drinking, and then they were like, (laughs) "Okay," and And then feel really weird and vulnerable and like overexposed. Yeah. So now I just, which is true, I'm just like, "Oh, I don't really drink," and sometimes like, it's quite easy just to have someone pour a little bit of wine just so people don't like notice because it's it's more that it makes other people feel uncomfortable. And even if you just have a drink there and you don't touch it, they won't notice.
0: Yeah, true.
1: That's quite a useful trick. And then just, yeah, thinking of what works for you, what you want to say. But I mean, it's been so long now that I don't I don't have any insecurity about it. It doesn't make me feel any kind of way um, at all, to be honest. Yeah.
0: Nice. Does your partner drink? yeah yeah okay so I don't know whether he
1: you know he's not a huge drink I think I would yeah. really struggle to go out yeah mm-hmm. yeah and of course before like in my 20s I actively probably pursued those places Yeah. Yep. like well I don't have a problem I mean look at that you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, um, I know that that would feel incredibly lonely if I was like okay I'm leaving and my partner was like staying out for another sort of six hours that would be quite Tough, but he's yeah. not a drinker.
0: Okay, nice. And you also don't drink caffeine, right? No, I do. Oh, you do? Okay. Oh, coffee. So oh, you didn't you say I you found coffee? coffee? For three years. Um How, why did you do that then? What was that on the back of?
1: Yeah, I gave up coffee, literally didn't touch it for three years because it was making me feel very anxious and mm-hmm. I felt like it was impacting my immune system that I kept getting sick okay so I actually cut it out and felt much much better for it and just started drinking tea um but then in the last six months I actually went to a wellness event and met these guys and this is not this is like a plug for them but the <laughs> nootropics and it's like right. adaptogens in the coffee and mushrooms so it kind of gives you this slow release rather than this like spiky one anyway I'm back on coffee since
0: yeah because I was I was just thinking actually now on the retreat we were all was we drinking. were all clambering around the coffee yeah. machine
1: <laughs> yeah and to be honest like it it's fine for me now but I do know that I'm drinking too much caffeine at, at the moment um which can really negative for women it can really impact your hormones
0: yeah I've switched to matcha I really yeah, like I love
1: matcha, but honestly at the moment I have like one coffee, one matcha and one tea a day. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, I'm slightly, yeah. I think to be honest, um, this is a sort of controversial thing to say, but you can always spot someone that's like either been an addict or got the capacity to be an addict with the way that they drink tea or caffeine, because it's like when you have, Historically, always chased that high, and you've had to give up one thing. You're like, "Well, I'll find it be <laughs> something else." Yeah, and you know, sort of channeled that into into tea, which you know, if that's going to be my vice, I'd far
0: prefer that than anything else. Yeah, totally. Do you know what that just made me think of? Just when I was in one of my old jobs, one of the guys at work, he got sent home because he had eight cortados. <laughs> what? Know. why did he get sent home because he was he was uncontrollable exactly. like he was in such a bad way he was there in the morning and then he was gone in the afternoon I remember being like where have you gone and he was like oh, I got sent home I had eight coffees I had eight cortados. And, I, and cortados, I think are like the small ones that are like really strong and he's just like yeah I was oh, I couldn't concentrate I, like I was all, all over the place classes. yeah like it's more than that I think but like, it's yeah anyway his boss was like go home you're a mess <laughs> yeah I mean he, yeah coffee does weird things like I definitely don't I don't drink it past midday and yes. I try and just have one but also sometimes I think is it the caffeine I, I don't I like I make sure I get a lot of sleep now and all that so I'm I will have a decaf sometimes I don't even think it's necessarily the caffeine for me I do actually like coffee but I like the milkiness of coffee this has gone on this is weird this <laughs> chat now it's gone on to coffee but um yeah anyway the, let's go back to the ca- the caffeine thing and how it makes your body feel and all that was kind of what I wanted to ask you that was that was why you cut it out for a bit
1: yeah yeah, yeah. I've like I I put it back in
0: yeah well being or being authentic to yourself <laughs> yeah I mean at the moment
1: it's not causing me any issues but I definitely um there's a correlation for sure between anxiety and fatigue and caffeine intake.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I reckon and yeah. sleep and all that stuff. Ooh. It all, it all adds up that the, the, the older I get, the more I just want to take care of myself, basically, which is very evident in my, how my lifestyle is now and how it used to be. Mm-hmm. Yours was the first retreat I've ever been on. Actually. It. Very mm. <laughs> You're going to do another one. I am sort of planning
1: another one at the moment for uh, well it will be end of September
0: next year is it going to be abroad yes yeah and is, is it going to be called the Saturn return retreat again um
1: I don't know it's going to be slightly different and without revealing too much I want it mm. to be more around creativity okay nice because I feel I that it's really important Thing for for myself for Saturn turns and I feel collectively at the moment
0: yeah. creativity mm-hmm. yeah that's one thing I've tapped into this year I used to think I wasn't a creative person but and now the- I'm like I am we creative. all are existing yeah, is yeah.
1: I think because of the acceleration of technology and AI and all of these things that we're gonna need creativity it's you know it's it's human it's a very human thing and um to just express and I and I view creativity and spirituality as sort of synonymous with each other I think a creative act is a spiritual act
0: yeah I was literally just gonna say I feel like now I've tapped into my creativity so much more I feel like I'm living in my spirit Mm, I love that. Yeah. And that's why I that's feel like I'm, it is. I'm. That's what yeah, I like know it is. is. And I learned that recently when I read um one of Sonia Chiquette's books. And she's basically like, when you're living in your spirit, you know about it because you are happy and you feel alive and you're doing things you love. And everything she said, I was like, I am living in my spirit. And that was just such a nice feeling. But yeah, that's what you said about it being linked to spirituality. And it is
1: and it and it makes you present and when you're present you're you're in your purpose really so it's yeah I think it's a really important thing that we all need to start um, embracing myself included
0: yeah definitely that can be my theme of 2024 creativity Mm -hmm. okay I think that's a really nice note to wrap up on so at the end of each podcast I ask everyone for a quote a book recommendation and a piece of life advice so would you like to tell me one of your favorite quotes please
1: yeah so one of my favorite quotes I believe it's Glennon Doyle but it could be Elizabeth Gilbert but it seems to be sort of um no I think it's Glenn Doyle from her book Untamed yeah love that book no such thing as one way liberation and I always remind myself of this it's essentially saying like if it liberates one, it liberates the other. So if we apply this to the context of a relationship and one person is like, I'm done. And the other person is like, this is the worst thing ever. What usually happens is eventually they realize that that was actually a gift, you know, because if it's out of alignment for one person, it's out of alignment for the other. And again, you can apply that to, your career or or whatever. And I found that a very um, reassuring thing to remind ourselves of. And then what was the second one?
0: Book, book recommendation. Book
1: recommendation, book recommendation. I'm reading the, create. so in the sort of theme we were discussing of creativity, there's a great book um, called The Creative Act by Rick Rubin that I'm reading at the moment. Um, It's quite digestible. He's a very well-known music producer, um, crazy kind of character, but quite eccentric. And it's it's a really, really good read for anyone that's wanting to explore their creativity. So that's the, the book that I'd recommend at the moment. And then Life Advice.
0: Hmm. Love this one. <laughs> Anything that you wish you could tell your younger self now, that you're older and wiser? Um...
1: I guess it's to sort of summarize a lot of what we were talking about because I found a lot of my journals from when I was younger recently and I it's they're my most valuable things because they yeah. give me this reflection of where I was at how I was feeling what was going on and things tend to get quite distorted in the mind throughout with memory like I said at the beginning through like sludge tinted glasses because of replaying them or re-saying them that you see things differently whereas these journals allow me to see things for how they actually were and it's very interesting that how much of what I'm doing now is in them from quite a young age and whilst I did sort of depart that and went on this journey um all of the things that I encountered along the way were were necessary things that I needed to pick up to become who I am now. And so my advice for anyone that's kind of going through the wilderness is that those detours, those mistakes, those failures are all very necessary in crafting who you're going to become. They're part of your becoming and your blossoming and the hardships are going to make you more beautiful, not less. So that would yes, be.
0: Yes, I totally agree, and I love that. If I kind of links to. I always say, you grow through what you go go through, or you glow and grow through what you go through. And I think it, it makes you you, doesn't it? All the hard times as well. So. um And also, I guess because it's the start of the year, do you think this would be a good time for someone to have an astrology reading to look at kind of what the year ahead looks like yeah I was going to say also like astrology
1: readings for sort of forecast for the year I think are really useful because it's they can be a bit more digestible Mm. and a bit more actionable when you're like okay this is the year not like my life in its entirety or my being in its its entirety like what am I going to do with that so I think doing a a forecast for the year is a really good idea
0: yeah nice I think I'm going to do that myself Okay, and where can the listeners find you? So they can find Saturn
1: Returns with Kagi wherever they get their podcasts. They can find me on Instagram at Kagi's World and Saturn Returns at Saturn Returns Co.
0: Amazing. I'll link all that in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on. I love chatting to you. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you for having me. No worries. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Wholeness with Hannah. I hope you found it insightful and uplifting. And my one wish is that it's left you a little more equipped than it found you. Shout out to my amazing guests and my wonderful producer, Mariana. If you could subscribe, rate and review, I'd love you forever because it really helps the podcast or share with a friend if you think it will help them. You can also follow the pod on Insta at Wholeness with Hannah. Thanks and see you next episode.